Hello, everybody. I'm Jonathan Reckman. Welcome to my podcast about life, language, meaning, money, and most of all, about gender diversity in venture capital. I'm speaking today with Leanne Rovers, co-founder and co-CEO of She Loves Tech. It's the world's largest startup competition. Please listen, share, give feedback, and most of all, enjoy. All right. Uh, Leanne, thanks so much. I want to jump right into this. We were just talking a moment ago. You were describing the problem in the numbers. You had some numbers that you wanted to share about the relationship between women and technology and capital today in 2022. Paint the macro picture for us. What does that relationship look like today? So today, you know, Unfortunately, over the years, even though that we've been talking so much about women in tech, about female tech founders, the reality is that needle hasn't moved that much. We are still looking at numbers, right? Our total VC pool, it's still only less than 4% globally, right? No matter what numbers you look at, 4% of the total VC pool goes to female founders. And that is a huge stock difference. And even if we look at numbers regarding just one female founder in the team, it's less than 20% of total VC money. So that means that majority of it are going to all male teams, which is astounding because if you look at the numbers, again, if you have diversity, if you have female founders and male founders together building a technology solution, they are so much better. They make better decisions. They make faster decisions. If you have a diverse team, they make decisions twice as quickly and their revenues are way better. A diverse team brings 150% at least of better revenues than male-only founded team. So we know that having female founders is honestly, when you look at the numbers, it's a no-brainer, a no-brainer. Why is it still that there's this huge gap? And that's what we are trying to tackle as She Loves Tech. So do you see this as an arbitrage effectively, that there is, there's a value in diverse teams that is being unrecognized by the market? You think there's an investment strategy where you can get access to those diverse teams, that they are being underfunded by VC generally. And therefore, there's, there's an opportunity to kind of specialize in that diversity and sort of arbitrage away that delta in value. 100%. You know, John, we started She Loves Tech because there was this huge opportunity, because women make up 50% of the population, but yet there were no female founders when we first started She Loves Tech back in 2015, right? There were no female founders around. I used to be one of the only women in a room of all men. And we knew that it wasn't that there weren't women they were just not at these events. They were not at startup competitions. They were not pitching to VCs. And we knew that there were amazing women building great and truly groundbreaking technologies. And we found them in our own personal networks. And so we jumped on that opportunity and we said, okay, we are going to provide that platform for them. And then what happened is that it exploded because there were so many female founders. There were so many female founders that were building technology solutions and good technology solutions that were just not getting the kind of credibility and the recognition that they deserved. And a lot of times it's because it's uncomfortable being so different from everybody else in the room. So Sheila's Tech gives them, right, that space that says, you know what, we are here for you. You don't have to be positioning yourself as, you know, one in a hundred in the room because you're so different. You're going to be positioning yourself, you know, with people who are here to support you. 
And what we realized then that we as She Loves Tech, then ended up with the world's largest database and pipeline for women tech founders. John, we've had more than 10,000 startups come through She Loves Tech. I've had so many VCs, investors that tell me, Leanne, it's not that we don't want to invest in women. It's just as a pipeline issue. And I said, no, that's untrue. We have thousands. This year alone, we had over 4,000 startups, women-led, women-impact startups join She Loves Tech. It's not a pipeline issue. Let's talk about that. You said women-led and women-impact. What are the, what's the difference between those two? So women-led, meaning that you have at least one female founder in the company. And women-impact, you are using building technologies that impact women positively. You are building technologies that are catered to, for example, women consumers. An example of that, um, we had a startup in Vietnam that was an all-male team and that were building a women's health app called Lily. And, you know, they came through She Loves Tech. And soon after they came through She Loves Tech, they had more than 400,000 women on their app. They were doing so extraordinarily well. And I asked them, I said, you have an all-male founded team. Why did you want to create a technology for women? And they said, we all had a significant other in our life, a woman who was not getting the kind of healthcare that they needed in Vietnam. Because in rural Vietnam, you had to travel four hours to be able to go, not even to a specialist, not even to a gynae for any kind of female related issues. You would go four hours to see a GP and you will wait for hours in the clinic and then get advice that was not even specialized. But with their app, you could get specialized gynecological advice and almost immediately. And so these are the kind of examples that we have that is women impact. They're building technologies for women. What is She Loves Tech? That's a great question. And I think that has evolved through the years. But in a nutshell, She Loves Tech exists out of necessity to be able to help women tech founders become successful. And we do so in four ways. We have our startup competition that has become the world's largest startup competition. We're operating in 72 countries around the world and we focus on women-led, women-impact startups. And, you know, we, this year, we had 28 country and regional round. And we're actually, next week at our conference, we're actually flying in those 28 winners all into Singapore. And then we have our conference that we do, that we've had just amazing people. So we wanted it to be the CES for women in tech, right? So where people from all over the world could come discover the latest innovations and technologies all built by women with really great superstar names. Last year, John, as you know, we've had, and you, you've emceed this, we've had Ariana Huffington, we've had Reid Hoffman, we've had Maria Ressa, Nobel Peace Prize winner, we've had Jane Sun, CEO.trip.com, we've had Esther Wojcicki, mother of Susan Wojcicki and Anne Wojcicki and so many more. And this year's going to be also really incredible. And then the third piece is the education piece, where we realize that a lot of the programs out there, the entrepreneurial programs, the pitching kind of workshops, they were all built based on a male archetype. So we created our whole entire curriculum to be able to say, you know what? Women are different from men. They pitch differently and they shouldn't have to pitch like a man. And so we give them specific, unique workshops that are built for their needs. 
And then the last piece is the investment piece where we're building our fund. I want to hear a lot more about that, but I was particularly interested when you described the workshops and content that you found in other platforms was male-centric and that women pitch differently. And I think that's one of those, is, and I, I think I have the same question when we talk about, you know, is there a male workshop and female workshop or a male pitch and female pitch? You know, is there such a thing as as kind of, what does female technology or like women engineered technology, is there some fundamental difference in women's relationship with technology or in women's relationship with a pitch or a, a communication workshop? Is it, as you've described before, kind of a, a counter positioning to the you know, male-dominated scene that exists, the incumbent, right? Is it a reaction to the incumbent? Or is there something like uniquely female about certain technologies, for example? I think three different questions right there, right? One of it is, what is it that women are building? And what we see that women are building is that are that women don't necessarily build based on the latest trends, the latest fads. Women see a problem, see a challenge in their communities, in their the, the regions that they're in, and they build solutions to overcome some of these challenges. So what we saw then actually was that a lot of women were building things that were socially good. And before the pandemic, we saw that VCs saw women as just building socially good kind of companies and that they deemed that as not investable. And then what happened was that during the pandemic, a lot of these things that were seen as socially good suddenly, suddenly became urgent and important and necessary. Things that were fighting climate change, things that were, you know, helping to uh, help the unbanked. For example, in Indonesia, there's so, I think it's 110 million people that are unbanked in Indonesia. And so we have technologies like Duetape in Indonesia, our startup that is helping to provide cashless aid to the unbanked. And they're doing that in Indonesia. And now they're actually starting to do that in Japan as well. So it's really interesting, the kind of technologies, but the kind of mindset needs to change a bit. I don't see our startups necessarily all building crypto solutions, all building blockchain solutions, all kind of like ticking the boxes of like, what are the latest trends? They're building solutions that really matter to their communities. And then if I may add, I think the other question that you asked was how women pitch and is this different? And what we see at She Loves Tech after seeing thousands of startups, this is a generalization. We have seen that generally our startups that have come through She Loves Tech pitch based on what they have done. They're very comfortable telling people what they have done, whereas a lot of their male counterparts, and actually there's a lot of research on that beyond just what we've done at She Loves Tech, their male counterparts pitch on what their potential is. So the women will say, we have built this and we have done and we have 10,000 customers, 100,000 customers. The men would tell you, let me tell you how that we are going to be valued at $1 billion in three years. And so who do you think gets the bigger check? There are different valuation models, right? There, there's uh, Women are valuing themselves and their businesses on historical trailing revenue and men are valuing themselves and their business on future projected cash flows with higher multiples. And the market buys that. And the market buys that. Uh, unfortunately, that also means that even though the women are building, they would have had more traction, but they're still getting smaller check sizes. And this is what we intend to change. 
I want to go back to some of the examples that you gave, climate, serving the unbanked. Where does gender come into that? Why are those examples of women-built technology solutions rather than gender-neutral kind of topic? We all, I think, have in our minds the archetype of the crypto bro, but you know that somehow has also become sort of gendered. Why, why do some technologies get associated with, with some genders? That's a great question. And I think, again, I think it's the way that men versus women start thinking and looking at a problem and start addressing it. And I think that all of these solutions, all of these technologies should be gender neutral. They should. Because otherwise, if they're not gender neutral, the reality is that the crypto bros, so-called, are going to be building crypto solutions. Guess what? for the bros, right? And so we've seen technologies like that, where in the past, we've seen companies build solutions and technologies, but they had all white men engineers. So they ended up building technologies for white men. And then they realized that their consumer base was only for white men because that's what they, the input into their technology. So technology works that way, right? What you input is also going to lead to the output of it. You know, I think that we need to, as we're looking at technologies, we need to see it as gender neutral. And hence, even for us at She Loves Tech, our companies, even though that we make sure that all of the startups that we fund have at least one female founder, if they are all female founders, right, all female teams, we actually get them to also bring in men. Because we believe so much in diversity. We believe that the best technologies, the best solutions need to have diverse voices, need to have diverse perspectives to be able to build a robust system. Speaking of diversity, you've also mentioned the geographic breadth of She Loves Tech and, and how, you know, you're, you're literally all over the world, uh, founders coming from countries, you know, in, in every corner of the globe, every level of development, including countries with, you know, that suffer from conflict or suffer, you know, are, are in, in crisis. What other lessons can you draw or what other trends have you seen in terms of how people coming from different environments, different origins, shapes the way that they approach solving problems and building technology? I think that what we notice at She Loves Tech, and I hope that this answers your question, John, what we're noticing is that different regions are building different types of technologies. Again, because what we see is that women in our community, in our networks, the women tech founders that come to us build technologies based on what their community needs. And so what happens is that different communities just need different things. So in Singapore, we have a lot of technologies that are built by our female founders that are AI-based, that are deep tech-based, whereas in places like in India and Pakistan and Bangladesh, we're actually seeing a lot of mid-tech solutions. In Indonesia, we're seeing a lot of fintech solutions because there's so much unbanked, right? And there's so much opportunity in the fintech world in some of these places. So we're really seeing different trends. It sometimes is very hard. And this is also one of the reasons why they come to She Loves Tech, because it's hard to go from a place like Bangladesh and then say, okay, I want to be able to expand into Singapore, right? 
And so we've partnered with Turtle Ventures, who is a venture builder and who helps and is our organizing partner for uh, She Loves Tech Bangladesh. So together, we have been able to create a really great ecosystem where now a lot of their founders are She Loves Tech founders. So that means that they have a really good ratio of companies that have at least one woman tech founder, but they're also finding opportunities now in Singapore. So they're starting to bring their startups into Singapore to expose them, to be able to say, okay, you know, this is, this is also what's happening in Southeast Asia. And I think we don't live in a world now that is completely segregated. There are very few countries now that live just completely segregated from everybody else. I think we are starting to expand this and this is where Sheila's Tech comes in because, you know, I always tell our founders, wherever you are in the world, you probably have a Sheila's Tech alumni that is near you. So you're always going to have friends and, you know, close associates that are going to be near you. You'll never be alone. What synergies are possible between the conference, the competition, the education programming that you're doing and the investment fund? That's a great question. And actually, all of them came out of each other. <laughs> we, we started it with the competition because we wanted a global stage to showcase amazing tech founders. And then as we grew and as we started growing into the thousands of numbers, we started seeing trends that our founders had unique challenges that a lot of these accelerator programs, a lot of the, you know, education entrepreneurial programs were not helping them to solve because they were being told in that programs to pitch more like a man to, you know, do things. And that was not their authentic selves. So then we started the education programs. And then we also then said, hey, you know, that all of these, we wanted at Sheila's Tech, we're all about action. How do we spark and initiate conversations that create action? And that's where the conference part came in. We wanted to bring in the best voices in the world to be able to talk Rawly have real conversations about what was going on and about how we can overcome some of these challenges. And then the last piece was actually the missing piece, which was the fund. Because as she loves tech, our whole entire mission is to close the funding gap for women and technology. And the best way to do that is to put our money where our mouth is. If we're telling other people that they have to fund female founders, we need to do so ourselves and we need to set the example. So everything came out of each other. Tell me more about the fund. I understand it's early days. Yes. But what's the vision of, you know, first of all, where are you today? And what's the vision for where this could go? We had a little bit of, we were a bit unfortunate in timing. I'm going to be honest, John. You know, we started building this fund late last year. So we had really great conversations at the end of last year, at the very, very beginning, January, February of this year. And then, as we know, the tech ecosystem, the tech climate all start to change. And unfortunately, people still see women as charity. And so the first thing to be dropped when investing, when LPs are investing, is things that they see as charity. And so it was a lot harder. I'm not going to lie. It was a lot, a lot harder for us to start raising our funds. We Last year, everybody was so excited. And they were all said, you know what, we're going to be your first check-in. We're, you know, we had verbal commitments. We were real in really good place. And then earlier this year, we found ourselves at a 
very different position. And so we had to restart all over again. And now we're also moving away from individual LPs to also looking at institutional LPs. Okay, so the early commitments that you were receiving were from family offices or high net worth individuals. Exactly. Give us a little snapshot of the fund. How much are you looking to raise? And I'm assuming it's a global fund? It is. So we are focusing on Asia because a lot of the countries, even though She Loves Tech is global, as you know, you know, we are all based here in Asia. And so I think we know the Asia market a lot more. And actually, we have a lot deeper roots in Asia, a lot deeper connections. So the fund is mainly focused on Asia and we are looking at a US $20 million fund. And this would be for very early stage. Is this seed round investing, pre-seed? It is post-seed. Our sweet spot is She Loves Tech is usually post-seed, pre-A. Let's put some some dollar figures on it because the names can mean different things in different markets. I think it's very different, right? Because even in Southeast Asia, even in Asia, it's very different. I mean, what we're looking at Singapore is going to be very different from what we're looking, let's say, in Malaysia or Indonesia. But, you know, typically we would look at between valuations between 1 to 10 million and... Usually, we're not the lead investors, but we are catalytic in nature, right? So we are actually investing in, right now, we're starting to invest in a company and we're going in together with Draper University and also with 500 startups. So we're very excited about that, but we helped to open doors. So we were the ones who actually introduced them to Draper. If your background with She Loves Tech is in organizing conferences and startup competitions and running education programs. Why is that a kind of qualifying experience for venture investing? Firstly, John, we have, again, the world's largest pipeline and database for women tech entrepreneurs. Secondly, as part of the competition, we do so much vetting. We have a very rigorous vetting system where we collect data from and we vet them multiple times. You know, we bring in experts, we bring in VCs, judges from all over. And so the companies that come through us, we have so much data points from different experts. We are not just a startup competition. A lot of the startups that have come through us, as you know, John, at the finals, we usually have a lot of the top VCs in the world as judges. And they always say that our quality of our startups is amazing. I mean, we just had our mentorship program just earlier this week as part of the Global Finals Bootcamp. And one of our VCs, who is actually a very, uh, you know, very tough VC, and he said, wow, this is the best pitch that I've heard, I think, all year round. And so we know that our startups are great startups, but we don't know just that, just based on our own kind of, you know, ability to vet, but we know it because we've collected data points from so many others. You know, we've been doing this for eight years now. So we've also learned and grown a lot. So I think that I would challenge it back to be like, actually, I think that we're in a better position than majority of the VCs out there. Leanne, where does this lead you in call it three to five years or or maybe in a, in a couple of iterations of She Loves Tech evolving into its, its next form and its next form. Where do you evolve towards? I think that the fun is going to be a big part. It's going to be a bigger and bigger part of She Loves Tech. And we see this $20 million fun as a stepping stone. 
but we have already have our eyes on our next fund and that's going to be more than a hundred million. And we've had great contacts through, you know, she loves tech people who have championed us. So a lot of, you know, some of the biggest institutions in the world have partnered with us through the years and they are excited about the fund. So they're just waiting for us to be able to show them the kind of startups that we have coming through the fund to show them the traction. And I think that we're onto something. I think that this fund is going to move the needle. Can I say that it sounds like you're pitching like a man now? Like, <laughs> you're looking already to the $100 million fund. <laughs> well, I think it's a balance, right? I think, yeah. you know, John, it took us eight years to be able yeah. to pitch that. So I think that, you know, we're not coming out just out of the blue. Right. Yeah. I, I think we have some really good people backing us. And just because we've just been doing this for such a long time, I was speaking to one of our partners who said this, they are investors themselves. And our partner said, investing in the She Loves Tech Fund is almost a no brainer because everybody's looking for female tech founders and you have it. You have all of them. So we are very excited about the fund. Well, I'm, I'm very excited too. One of the last questions I want to ask is I have an 18 month year old daughter, Essence Louise, and I want to ask for advice that you'd have for her or for any other, you know, really young women or young girls today that are growing up into times of exponential change you know, a very different world probably than than we grew up as children. Looking, you know, VCs are supposed to have crystal balls that, you know, can look into the future. What advice do you have for really young people today from all of your experience and everything that you've learned? What can you tell the daughters? Don't be afraid not to follow trends. Don't be afraid to break the rules. When we started She Loves Tech, there wasn't anything like She Loves Tech. And in our first couple of years of doing it, nobody quite got it. I, we had so many people asking us, why did you not build He Loves Tech as well as She Loves Tech? And I said, well, it's He Loves Tech all, every day. And so I said, we had such a hard time convincing people in the first, I would say, couple of years of She Loves Tech. But now we have Microsoft, UBS, PNG, HSBC. We have all of these amazing companies knocking at our door and saying, hey, we want to partner with you because not just that you're doing the right thing, but we know that the kind of trust that you have built with the startups is like nothing other. And you have the numbers to show. You have all of the female tech startups. So we want to partner with you. And so we couldn't do it if we just followed trends and didn't break the rules once in a while. Yeah, and I, all I can say is, you know, I have been fortunate enough to witness it, you know, come over at least six or seven years. And it is astonishing how much momentum and how many partners and how much quality and how much energy you've attracted to the platform. And it, it has that feeling of, you know, when something is snowballing and getting bigger and bigger, the more that it goes or the flywheel, it has that feeling. And that must just be really exciting. And certainly, you know, came with a lot of hard pushing and a lot of hard work from you and, and all the, the co-founders and the whole team. Thanks, John. And, you know, we always say that we couldn't do She Loves Tech alone. And was so appreciative to you 
um, for always believing in us. And, you know, even when we were not the size, right, for saying, hey, I want to do this together with you. So it's thanks to you and to our partners, to people who believed in us that that led us to be able to grow like this. So thank you. You bet. And let's take it to the next level. Yes. Thanks so much, Leanne. (laughs) Thanks, John. (laughs) 